Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Santander Bank, featuring Simply Right Checking, a checking account that's built for you, so you can bank when, where, and how you want. Visit SantanderBank.com slash simple to learn more. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics. So get on board. Listen, learn, live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Coco Express Show for Monday, May 21st, 2012. I'm your host, Aurelia Lyles, and we are so pleased to have with us this evening an important contributor to our music history and legacy, Mr. Larry Dunn. Mr. Larry Dunn is an instrumental part of our music fabric by being one of the key one of the key keyboardists and musical directors of the legendary musical group Earth, Wind and Fire, a musical group that holds the title for the most successful band in the world, with sales of more than 100 million albums worldwide, six Grammys, 13 Grammy nominations, four American Music Awards, 32 gold and platinum, multi-platinum records and albums, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Songwriters Hall of Fame. These accomplishments are what every musician aspires to achieve. But how did all of this come about? How did it materialize? What are the elements that make up this genius, Mr. Larry Dunn? His work was not just limited to Earth, Wind, and Fire. He has worked with The Emotions, Level 22, I mean 42, forgive me, Ronnie Laws, George Duke, Lenny White, Foley, Ramsey Lewis, Caldera, Herbert Laws, Stanley Tarantine, Diane Reeves, Brian Culbertson, Dee Dee Bridgewater, Stanley Clark, Denise Williams, and so many others. His, his career spans more than 50 years, and I dare not go any further. Please, please, please allow me the opportunity to introduce to you Mr. Larry Dunn. Hello. Hey, hey, baby, how you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm good. That was perfect timing, perfect timing. Yes, yes. There's so much ground to cover regarding your career. However, I would first like to thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. My pleasure, our pleasure. Yes, yes. I'm just, how can I put it, I am in awe in some ways because Earth, Wind & Fire is one of my favorite groups. I mean... You, everybody grew up on Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm, I'm still growing up. <laughs> still growing up. Yeah. So let's find out a little bit more about you. Where were you born? I was born in Denver, Colorado. Actually, uh, I met Philip Bailey when I was 13, and he was 15. Okay. Now, what was your childhood like musically? Oh, it's great. I tell people, you know, it's just a, really a great blessing where and how my life evolved in Colorado. 
my mother was Italian, my father was African American, and uh, I tell people, I wasn't born on a farm, but the first two years of my life, I was actually raised on a farm, and uh, my grandparents didn't speak any English, so I kind of learned that a little Italian as a kid. Then we moved to suburbia, and I actually lost it, which I wish I hadn't. But, you know, my dad, he played upright bass, piano, and guitar. In my mom's family, you know, they do the traditional Italian songs when we go there on the weekend on Sunday, whatever. But my dad, when I was about, uh, oh, man, I think three years old, so maybe three or four, we had an old raggedy upright piano in the living room. And he taught me Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino. Wow. And then by the time I was about, I don't know, maybe nine or so, I was beat on that. By the time I was nine or ten, I, they got me a guitar, and I started playing, you know, the Beatles stuff and Ray Charles. And then in sixth grade or fifth grade, I took up baritone horn, not baritone sax. And uh, a young brother from the East Coast actually elucidated and enlightened me um, what that actually did for me when I was about 18 or 19 with the, with the fire. So now you play baritone horn, and that's, that's why in your arrangement you write those beautiful secondary melodies. I was like, oh, okay. I, I really, I've never even thought about that, but it, it did that. And then in sixth grade, they bought me an organ, and I used to uh, turn the turntable down from 33 and a third to 16 and a half speed, and I would learn all these jazz licks by the wonderful uh, Jimmy Smith, the great uh, jazz uh Hammond B3 organist. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept on. We did some talent shows, and then Philip and I hooked up with some guys. I, I, before I met Philip, I was with Hilliard Wilson and Larry Thompson. I met Hilliard when I was 11 and started playing different stuff. And by the time I was 13, Philip had a group that had three great singers. And then the group that uh, Hilliard and I had had the bomb musicians. So we kind of joined forces and became the mellow moods and the mystic moods. And, and we were doing serious music as kids. You know, we would mm-hmm. have people like the uh, emote. I mean, uh, not the, emote, the whispers come through, and they were like, who are these young boys? But like I, I, like I often tell the young people, I said, man, back in our day, there was one prereq to be in a band. You had to play your booty off. They didn't care if you were tall or short, cute or ugly, fat or skinny, <laughs> white or black. If you played, you could be in the band. That's excellent. So, yeah, I, I was really blessed. I had a very rich, rich history in Colorado. And, and the neighborhood was really cool as well. You know, it was a real melting pot at that time. You know, next door was a, a family, black family, very dark-skinned family that was very, you know, just integrity, very educated, wonderful people. On the next side was a, 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 a older black woman that was married to a white guy. I felt bad for him because she was kind of like hitting, that, hitting the sauce. <laughs> and, and, then, and then next door to them was a, a Spanish family. And on the other side was Filipinos. Across the street was Chinese. I mean, we had everything. We call so that we, diversity you know, we were, now. <laughs> yeah, so that was a great thing. So I learned at a young age. I mean, you know, being black, a black Italian, I, I learned at a young age that you know I can't hate nobody because if I do, I hate myself. And so the thing is, you know, you don't. You're not supposed. God says don't hate anybody anyway. It's just a negative mm-hmm. energy it draws from your energy. Now, if you dislike someone, that's fine. And the only reason for that is because they're, like my wife, a jackass, not because of their color of their skin or their, you know, their language or what what have you, or their gender. Okay. Now, that is really interesting because 
I mean, nowadays, I think in some respects, that whole mindset is kind of lost in a way because no matter how far we seem to have evolved and how much education, how much information is available to us, we still seem to be stuck on that. Well, you know, I, I told people, I said, you know what, if you examine history, I said, and you think, you really think about it, there, there's only, the only thing that has really changed throughout history is what? And you pose that question to people, a lot of people say, well, but the reality is the only thing that's really changed is technology. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I say, the heart, the heart of man is still the same since Cain and Abel, the first murder. You know, a homeboy killed his brother and then tried to hide it. So it's still in the heart of men, you know, generically speaking, mankind, men, women, whatever, to hate, to kill, to steal, to love, to give, to share. And I think that the only thing that can that can really happen to evolve to a much better place is, first of all, the human looking in the mirror and realizing, I need some help. Mm-hmm. And when that has occurred, then and only then can you, with humility, reach out to the Creator, to God Almighty, and ask for that help. And when you get that, even from that point on, it's a minute-by-minute, day-by-day process as long as you live. That is a profound statement right there, really. Now, I want to ask you, how did the whole group, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the name come about? Well, you know, uh, from what I read... (laughs) And I, I've been talking to Maurice a long time. I, the name actually was uh, very much into astrology, and uh, we kind of didn't agree on that a lot. I mean, you know, there's basic traits in anything, but it was so weird. You know, when I was only about 18 years old, going to the East Coast. I love the East Coast, by the way, y'all. I love it. I love it. I love it. People <laughs> seem to be, you know, because it's so dense. And the populace, you know, there's a lot of people. I, I remember playing L.A., and it's like, wow. You know, cause everybody, everybody's a star. Everybody, yeah, this star. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but on the East Coast, man, if you got your stuff together, and we did, they would get up and party with you. If not, you've seen what happens at the Apollo. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, but I loved it because, you know, in the East Coast, I realized, man, when I was a young person, I said, if a, if a brother or sister said, I play keyboard, either they could play the sugar honey iced tea out of it mm-hmm. or they were white coat material. And then when they come out to party with you, it's like if you're you giving your all, they're going to stand up and they're going to they party right there with you. So I always, you know, at a young age, man, I fell in love with the, the vibrations on the East Coast. But uh, but anyway, um, I would be on the East Coast and people were like, well, how do you know this? I, I could look at somebody and say, well, you're a... Areas and how do you know? I said, I, really, I don't know. But then the thing that kind of got me away from it is that you meet the people and go, Oh, you are a Gemini or Canada. We, we're going to get along. I said, You know what? You are absolutely correct because you don't know me from Adam and already you've placed judgment. So it's not because of my sign or your side that we're not going to get along. We're not going to get along because you are Fulio Iglesias. <laughs> that was penned by Jay King, by the way. I don't want to get mad at that. <laughs> But uh, anyway, about the name, back to the original question you asked about 40 minutes ago. Uh, Maurice, uh, those were the main elements that he found in his astrological chart, earth, wind, and fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now, you are known for certain songs. I'm going to play one that everyone should know. And 
once I'm going to play this, I'm also going to ask you what other songs have you written for the group. So let's play this first. All right. Table 
that uh, resulted in him writing some wonderful, wonderful music. Um, you left the group. Why did you leave the group? Well, you know, actually, I didn't leave the group per se. It's like, uh, you know, we did the Faces album in 1980, which was a great album. It was a double album. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really perpetuate as we thought. But you got to remember, that was the Reagan years. And that was when that whole corporate crap that we're dealing with now had really starting to take place where, you know, a lot of people, we were coming out of the Marvin Gaye and the Motown and the Marvin Gaye and the, and the hippies and the peace, love, and joy. And we're getting more into the, all right, you brothers had your apples and your dashiki, you know, now we, we're going to get serious here. And it, it became the era of me, 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 I. That's when that started, in, in my estimation. Uh, to a to a bigger degree than it had been before, prior in the 60s and 70s, you know, what about me? What about me? What about me? Me, me I, and you know, your car and your clothes and your this and that represented who you were more than your spirit and your soul and your brain and your speech. And so it didn't really take off like that. And then we did uh, Electric Universe, which I did not, and I voiced that with Maurice. I didn't agree with that because we didn't use the Phoenix horns, and we went a little bit more electronic and stuff like that. So anyway, after that, there was a huge hiatus because the last concert with the original members was 1981, mm-hmm. and that was like oh, it was minus Al McKay because Al had spent a year before that. But Verdine and I pulled Roland Bautista back in, who unfortunately passed away a couple months ago. So God rest his soul. But uh, you know that was the actual last. We called it the Rave Tour, where we ended with Let's Groove and that stuff. But we did. All kinds of stuff, all reaching all the way back from uh, Keep Your Head to the Sky and Where Have All the Flowers Gone. It was on the first album that we did when me and Philip and the guys got in. And then after that, there was a huge hiatus. And then after that, Maurice did his solo project. And and then they tried to pull the band back together in 87. And, you know, just some of the stuff wasn't right. My attorneys and the, their attorneys, no business wasn't correct. And... And that was about how it was. So it wasn't really me leaving the band. It's just there was a huge hiatus for quite a few years. And then when they pulled it back together, some you know certain things weren't correct, and you know. But actually, the good news is, I sat in with them at the CES Consumer Electronics Show, not this January, but January 11. And I went up on stage and I sat in and I, Philip said, "What you want to do?" He said, "Do whatever you." I said, "What you want me to do?" Do whatever you want to do. So I went up there and I started playing Spirit. And I don't think he had sang that since we did that a long time ago. But he sang it beautifully. The people loved it. Sheila E. was there. She was in tears. And I guess Will started spinning. And he uh, thought about it. And their manager called me. Great guy, Damien Smith. He manages them. Also, Jennifer Hudson and Raphael Sadiq. Great young mm-hmm. brothers. Mm-hmm. From my home, September. And that said, uh, Phil and Verdine would love it if I would grace their new single with my keyboard work. And uh, they, they pulled every, everything together, and I did it. And praise God, it went viral before it even came out. And I remember running to Verdine at the NAMM show, and he's like, man, that big thing that went viral. That's the way we're supposed to sound. And a lot of people are on the block, and we know that's Larry. We know that's Larry playing the keyboards and blah, blah, blah. So after that, we had a big dinner meeting just me and Phil and Verdine again, and they asked me would I come in and help them on the new album, producing and playing and writing. And so uh, that's what we're working on right now on some other projects. So keep that that in your mind. I will definitely, and that's excellent. Now, when 
the group went on hiatus. What did you do? Oh, man, I just, you know, always, always doing work. You know, I did a bunch of work with Foley, who's on my CD. Very talented brother. He used to uh, play with Miles Davis, so that shows you that he's a serious cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a bunch of stuff. My wife and I, you know, we got together in 83, and uh, we started doing music almost immediately together. It was great because she has the talent to write really great melodies that the world can sing, and that combined with my keyboard work and chords and different stuff, and just became a wonderful thing. So by 1988, we started doing jingles for Japanese television, which was a wonderful venture uh, because, like I tell people, oh, oh, in Japan and parts of Europe and different places, they don't trip on age or color of skin or none of that. They knew, they knew we were going to give it to them on a high level with integrity, which is our motto. And we started doing stuff like uh, Mercedes-Benz, Mercedes or Benzo, Mercedes-Benz <laughs> and uh, Subaru, De Beers Diamond, Mitsubishi Eclipse. And we did everything from straight-ahead opera with Luisa and Beppe Cantarelli uh, doing opera for Subaru. We did, like, satchmo-type music. We've done some jazzy hip-hop for Mitsubishi Eclipse. Shiseido, which is a, just celebrated 100 years, uh, yeah, it was about 10 years ago, and, and we had our first worldwide commercial with that. So that it was a wonderful thing. And then it got to the point where with technology, they would just send us an idea or a, a demo or something that they wanted. It sound like we'd go ahead and do the sound design and compose, whatever, send that back to them over the Internet. They'd have their meeting, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you guys won. A lot of times it was a competition. You guys won. So you guys get to do the music for the commercial. So we do it, send it back. They love it. And then they wire the money right into your account. Nobody even had to leave home. Wow. That's modern so that's technology. Yeah. And then we did, you know, we did an album with uh, Roland Bautista, Luisa, um, Ndugu Chancellor that played drums with everybody. But that's him on Billy Jean playing the snare drum. Mm-hmm. Um, and who else was on that? Anyway, there was five of us called Tatania Express, so we did that. And uh, Louisa, we did a bunch of music with her. And just always, always doing music. We, we produced Ramsey Lewis a few times. I did Level 42, Diane Reeves, Stanley Turrentine, um, Dee Bridgewater. You know, just always music. I love music. We love music. And we just love working with artists. And our thing is, like I said, man, music to me, was created by God, and it was created to edify people, not to play the dozens, not to call women, you know, that that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said everybody on planet Earth either has or had a mother, perhaps an aunt, sister, whatever. When did they become that? So that's beyond me, but that's each to his own. But uh, for us, you know, we just, like I said, what a, what a gift of music is. I mean, what what a gift music is. Yes. And, you know, to be able to use it to, to put a smile on somebody's face or to edify them. Like you said, when you heard Head to the Sky, you know, you get it. Like right away, you get it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, you released your first solo album in 1996, correct? Actually, it was 92. 92. Oh, okay. Oh, now, but, but you, no, but you're correct. Because what it was is it was so obscure because in doing those jingles and stuff. And I was doing these 
mega concerts with a, a French guy named John John Mark Serron, mm-hmm. and he made a killer. He made a really big in the seventies with some disco stuff, and he would put on these huge spectacle concerts with lasers and and at the Trocadero where you're facing the Eiffel Tower, and it goes for like four football fields full of people, and then. Another time we did one where the stage was a boat, a glass boat. Actually, it was a boat, and then the, the VIPs, the, the politicians, the president, were in a boat across from us, a glass boat, and we sailed up for miles and miles. And just, I wasn't that crazy about the music, per se. It was kind of like New Age rock opera. Some mm-hmm. of it was really good. Some of it was a little, little sleepy for my taste. But it was great, though. But the spectacle was, was unbelievable. So, you know, I did a bunch of that. And then when we were doing that, I met this guy through Hiroto, the guy the guy that we're working with today, a uh, great engineer from Japan. And he introduced us to this guy, Teru Hashimoto. And on the spot, he said, this is Larry Demo. And we just had a cassette back in them days and played him a couple of tunes. like, you got it. He said, just do me a favor. Make sure you feature your wife on a couple of songs. I'm like, ooh, beautiful. So, it, but it was only, it stayed basically in, in Japan. Then we got with another company that we almost had a deal, but then without our permission, released it. So that was a big mess. But that's how you are correct in the date 96, because it was released, or it was kind of released, but whatever, got leaked in the United States in 1996. So you are correct. And it was titled Lover's Silhouette. Yes, ma'am. And who were some of the people featured on that album? On that oh, yeah, and it was Louisa. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife, uh, Stephen Dunn, my, my brother, uh, Ronnie Laws, again, Al McKay, Ralph Johnson, wrote a couple of things, um, Phil Upchurch, did a wonderful, wonderful guitar stuff on there, um, Dirk Recklaw, who played percussion with many people, but a lot with Ramsey Lewis, uh, same thing, I had a lot of great musicians, I'm not like the, the new one we've got, like that. We got enough brothers and sisters on there to make a Tarzan movie. But it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the the new one is, was. Well, we'll get to that. But yeah, that was '92, and mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it came out great. It was just it was a, a kind of messy, mm-hmm. like the way it leaked out and stuff. It didn't really get promoted in the uh, United States well, but that's how that happened. Now, as you said, you released a new album. It's called Into the Journey. And we have, well, we listen to feel reasons from um, Into the Journey. Now, I would like to play um, Feeling Free, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Hold on. I'm going to solo by the clown. about how the first album happened and all that. I told them to get to the
some of the people featured on this particular album? Oh. And uh, Louisa, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, mm-hmm. she produced with me and co-wrote and sang. And then we got uh, my brother Steven as well. We got Ronnie Law, even Daddy uh, Hubert Law, James Ingram, Deloitte Taylor that wrote Get Away and a bunch of stuff for us and Fire and James Ingram. Ricky Lawson, great drummer who played with Michael and the Yellow Jackets and on and on and on. Uh, Stanley Clark, Foley from Miles Davis Band. We got Rob Lee and Michael Harris, the original, our original Earthman of Fire Trumpets. Uh, who else we got there? Oh, yeah, Manyango Jackson, the great professor with TV all these years. Paulinho de Costa, who said that. Paulinho de Costa. Paulinho de Costa a lot. <laughs> 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 nah, great, great. Yeah, that brother, he played on everybody's album. I mean, he did all those Earthman of Fire albums back in the day. Verdine and I hired him to do the. Uh, level 42 album. He did it all in one evening. Just a great, just a lot of great talent. Anybody else who else we didn't? Uh, Pam Johnson, actually Ralph Johnson's sister from Earth on Fire. Awesome. Uh, Proc- uh, one of our singers, Proxen Bonell the third. Actually goes on the PB3. That's him singing on Morning Sun, the African tune, and also on Madness. Uh, who's the one you just said? Oh yeah, of course, Sheldon Reynolds. That was with the Commodores and then was with Earthling and Fire for a while after the original members left. And uh, there any more I can think of, I'll let you know. Like I said, we had enough enough brothers on there to, to make a to make a, a Tarzan movie. Oh, and uh, Daryl Finney, who also sang backgrounds for years with Michael Jackson. Now he's on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the brothers, the tall brother in there that sang. Yeah, great voice. That's him singing on uh, spoken word. Now, uh, let's see. I understand that this year you once again reunited with the group and you're collaborating on, and you either collaborated or collaborating on their new album? That's Earth yeah, and they, Fire. You know, yeah, they called me back to, uh, like I said, I sat in with them at the Consumer Electronics Show January 11. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on that year, their manager called and said that Verdine and Philip would love it if I would grace their single with the keyboard work. So I did it, and it went viral. And um, a lot of people, you know, it's funny, they could tell. They said, that sounds like Earth of the Fire. Even Philip, we had a great meeting. He said, man, as soon as I heard that, and they told me, you put all the keyboards on, and like, that sounds like Earth of the Fire. I said, that's good. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we had a great dinner meeting. They, you know, we talked, and they asked me would I be willing to come and work on their new album. So that's what we're doing. My wife and I actually wrote, a beautiful song uh, for Philip that I think the people are going to love. And, uh, yeah, my wife and me and the guy I told you about, the Yakuza Nona, Kyoto Kobayashi, our third writing partner. So now, we're, we're actually working on that today when you guys saw, so it was perfect timing. We just finished. Now, this out, this CD, when is the CD going to be released or has it already been released? No, 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 we're still working on it. Because, okay. You know, they're always... They're always touring, so uh, I think we're going to try. I think they're going to try and, and release it. Uh, if we finish July, you know, so we're, how long do we usually say? Probably September release, hopefully. Okay. Now, but I have we, a question. You, you, you can feel free to stay in contact with, with us, and uh, we'll oh, let great. you know. I'll get you one with your name on it. Oh, thank you so much. I would love that. Oh, I'm all giddy That's now. Great. <laughs> yeah, well, you got you guys got our information now, so you just keep it. 
Okay. Now, I would like to know, I would like to ask you a personal question. Through sure. all that you've been through, how would you define yourself today? Hopefully wiser. <laughs> <laughs> wise, loving, caring, and hopefully wise. Now, another question. What direction do you see the music industry heading in? And if you could have a hand in molding and shaping this direction, what would you do? Well, again, I would love to see it go more in a, in a direction of integrity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and edification so that, like you said, when when you heard uh, Head to the Sky, the way it makes you feel, to me, like I said, that's the way music should be. It should put a smile on your face or... You know, if it's not that, at least be reflective about what you're listening to. Um, like I said, as opposed to playing the dozens or name calling, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the music, the music is a beautiful gift, and it should be utilized therefore. Okay. Now, do you have any encouraging words for new young artists out there just starting out? Uh, yeah, do it for the love of the art, you know, first of all. That's a great question. We do, you know, we, we get around a lot of people, young and old, and it really doesn't matter because you ask them, well, why do you want to do it? And when you get that answer, I mean, I want the, the women, or I want the bling bling. I'm like, oh, you know, because, you know, it's like the, the, the scripture says, if you, you know, put God first and you, you know, put your craft and, and do what you're supposed to do, the money will follow. All those things will follow, but, you know, you have to be, you have to know why you want to do something. You know, if you want to do it for faith, because there's a lot of that. I tell people as well, I think one of the biggest drugs of all time is the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was a time when, you know, you do the most egregious thing and you want to go hide your head, do the ostrich thing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> your buddy's your buddy's in jail or in prison for molesting a three year old baby girl, and and you're and you're excited to have your face on on the on the camera, but that you know that's where that's where it's at, and that that is that is scary when you really think about it. Yes, you know, it is. is. You know, it's like that. Where where is the the song? Is, where is the love? Where is the shame? Mm-hmm. You know, and when you get a society. When people have no shame, where well, did you go? You saw that stuff where they, uh, I was just blown away, but not really. You know, where they snatched, uh, uh, you know, the guy, what's the name? The the, the weigh-in, whining? Yes. The, the yes. preached, the, the preached uh, Whitney Houston's mm-hmm. service? Yes. Did you see that? Where, in yes. In Detroit, where they, they uh, in broad daylight at the gas station. Yes. You know, oh, his beating, mm-hmm. took his Rolex, his money, and. In pants, you know. So, you know, we 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 need, we definitely need music. You know, music is not only edifying; it can also be healing as well. Isn't doesn't isn't there a saying that music soothes the savage beast? Absolutely, you are correct. I'm going with it. Yes, it's just really it's. It's interesting and it's sad at the same time because we have this new thing called reality TV, and I think that that also fuels a lot of this stuff that's going on. You know, when we talk about that, it's like, you know, it couldn't be quite the opposite. 
if that's your reality, then wow. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's like, you know, my wife and I, we first got together, we used to go out at night. And to the point where she's like, okay, I want to go to the club. But you know, at least back in them days, you could go out and, you know, get your mm-hmm. groove on and you know, mm-hmm. people and talk or whatever. Nowadays, you know, go to some of the Hollywood clubs, the, the, the women are brawling worse than the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I mean, what, what happened to Sinead? Because I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Now, yeah. if if some of my listeners want to reach out to you, learn more about you, how can they do that? Well, we've got a beautiful website, LarryDunnMusic.com. You have to use music because some foolio is squatting on my name, which I wish they would uh, change the laws on that, but whatever. It's LarryDunnMusic.com. Okay. And it's a, it's a nice site. Actually, we're working with Jay King. Uh been working managing me in the weeks of the, I couldn't believe it. And I said eight years of known there. It's been nine. I'm like okay, for nine years, and uh, so you know he's getting ready to uh, make the site a little bit more interactive mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And eventually, you will be able to. Uh, we're going to hook it up so that hopefully within 30 days that you can go directly to LarryDunnMusic.com and click on the PayPal link and buy. Uh, the Into the Journey products directly will be sent directly to your to your front door. Oh, great. Excellent. Now, do you have any upcoming events where people could see you perform? Um, actually, not yet. We're working on that right now. I just, you know, I just got to I played last Mother's Day with Michael Henderson, and then I just got back from Sacramento playing for the Robert Brookings Tribute which was really nice. But uh, right now, because, you know, I'm in, in, in trying to finish the Earth, Wind, and Fire project, and also Luis has got a new project we're working on and a couple other things that we're doing, we have to kind of put the tour together. So we're definitely going to be working on it. So if they just go to the website, though, they can, okay. you know, stay abreast of what's going on. Great, great. I mean, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm – so honored to have had this opportunity. I would like to thank you once again, and I would also like to thank Double Exposure for for providing this wonderful opportunity to me and my my listeners as well. Absolutely. A shout out to uh, Angelo and Mary, Mary, Mary. Yes, they are wonderful. They are truly wonderful. Yeah, we we, we just got with them, and they're already, we happy. So that's very (laughs) rare these days. That's yeah, because, yeah, you know, you you got to check people out nowadays because you don't know what you're getting into. But, you know, when God leads your path, you know what's going on. But they're just great people, so we're really looking forward to uh, working with them. Yes. And, and, I and can... my, bet, my, bet, my better half just came into the car because she was in there doing some more work in the studio with Hito. So, so I came in the car to do it. So say goodbye to the people, baby. Hello. Hello. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> How are you doing? Thank you I'm so much great. for giving us the opportunity, you know, just uh, having Larry to, you know, be interviewed. And uh, thank you for just um, having uh, LDO presented to your to your viewers. LDO on the show. Yes. <laughs> LDO on the show. Oh, it is my pleasure. Most definitely my pleasure. And I will definitely stay in touch because I want to know when the music is coming so I can be 
on the forefront of getting it. Absolutely. And do me a favor. When when uh, you get time after you hang up, if you would be so kind, uh, text on the same phone we're talking on. Text us your information. Yes. And okay. number and stuff, and we'll, we'll hit you out in, in a couple of days or even when we get home just so we can talk for a minute. Okay, absolutely. No problem at all. Well, I would like to tell all my listeners that was the amazing, legendary, wonderful Larry Dunn. He is just fantastic, and I'm so glad I had the opportunity, and I want to thank him once again. I want to thank my listeners for their continued support. And before I close, I would like to tell you that we have some wonderful people planned to come on the show uh, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we have two former Olympians. We have the first African-American male to win a fencing medal at the Olympics, Mr. Peter Westbrook. We also have a Ms. Kim Hampton. She's a former WNBA star, and she's retired now, so she has a lot of other things going on. We also have an, another interview with uh, another wonderful person and, oh, it just gets by me. Oh, Quadri El Amin. He's going to be with us as well. So check us out on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I'm looking forward to having you guys listen in. I'd like to thank you again. I'd like to thank Mr. Dunn and his wonderful wife for their time. And have a wonderful evening and take care. Bye. That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real. Listen, learn, and live. Hola, soy Lola. No puedo contestar tu llamada. Hoy voy a luchar contra la máscara vengadora. Eh, si gano, usaré el dinero para pagar por nuestro plan familiar de datos. Claro, pesa 300 libras, pero una vez tomé una clase de karate. Quizá ya es hora de un switch. ¿Atrapado en un mal plan familiar? Haz el switch al mejor plan familiar de Boost y obtén cuatro líneas, cada una con gigas sin límite por solo 100 dólares al mes. Metro PCS solo te da dos gigas por línea por el mismo precio. Cuatro líneas, cada una con gigas sin límite por solo 100 dólares al mes. Es fácil hacer el switch y más fácil ahorrar con Boost. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Santander Bank, featuring Simply Right Checking, a checking account that's built for you, so you can bank when, where, and how you want. Visit santanderbank.com slash simple to learn more.